My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Building the Good Life with John Hope Bryant is brought to you by Prudential Financial. My dad was the first black minister that had been appointed the district superintendent for the San Diego district. After a short time in Long Beach, he was appointed to a predominantly white church, which was unheard of back in the early 80s. And then he was called by a bishop in Harlem to come out and revitalize a great church in Harlem. And so he felt called to do that. And we packed up and we went across country to Harlem in the mid 80s. Seeing all of that service to others really made an impression on me. Hey, hey, this is John Ho Bryant and this is Building. We are here in a special podcast uh, with a dear friend of mine. I say this lady doesn't walk on water, but she knows where the stones are. She's able to tap dance in a corporate boardroom and on a dance floor and be authentic in both places. She happens to be African-American, but she's just really a great leader who happens to be black. As we say in my neighborhood, she's a bad sister. That's S-I-S-T-A. Okay, on a serious note, this is now the formal introduction. That was my friendly introduction. Her name is Darlene Goins. She is the executive vice president in charge of and head of the Banking Inclusion Initiative. I'll tell you what that means in a moment, but it's a big deal. At Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is one of the three, well, they call it in the government, uh, sort of constitutionally re- relevant institutions. It's a, it's a systemically important institution, which means the, that basically the government in the country can't live without it. It's, it's systemically important for the health and safety and, and the lifeblood of the largest economy on the planet, the United States of America. Wells Fargo has been around since 1852, uh, created by some dudes with some stagecoaches. They were really in the, originally in the, the mail delivery business in part. They delivered the mail they were delivering was gold bars. But anyway, it was they were delivering stuff. It was faster than the U.S. Postal Service. And they, they also helped to create American Express. This is their uh, history going back to the 1800s. It was from California during the gold rush. Uh, and it's fair to say it was an institution that was made up of 100% of people who didn't look like me. The world has changed and so has Wells Fargo. And I'm proud to say that Wells Fargo has changed with the world. In fact, doing a little bit better. I was with the CEO, Charlie Scharf, this morning at the opening of our 200th Hope Inside location in uh, Georgia, here in greater Atlanta, DeKalb County. And I was noting the, the diversity and inclusion numbers. They've doubled them. They've hit their mark and doubled the diversity and inclusion numbers as minorities and women. That's just since George Floyd. Uh, so in the middle of this storm, they've created a rainbow. And one of those rainbows is sitting in front of me. Her name is Darlene Goins. Hey, Darlene. Hey. Hey. 
What's up? <laughs> See, when you when you got a title like this, executive vice president, head of banking inclusion, you can just be like, you can just be relaxed. You know, all my friends stressed out. They broke. <laughs> My, my my broke friends stressed out. They they, they, sound, they got stress in their voice. Dar, Darlene is easy breezy. She's, 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 I'm Darlene. stressed out. I'm just not broke. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> and see and see, Darlene is super smart. Like this is one thing I love about her. One of the many things she has integrity. She's authentic. Uh, she she's uh, she doesn't suffer fools, but she's very gracious about it. But she you don't have to make an excuse for. And this is my sort of my new hopeful formula for black folks and minorities in uh, in America and the world. She's not a black leader. She's a great leader who happens to be black. She's just strong. And uh, Charlie and the team were smart to recognize that strength. Um, and that's what I want to illustrate today, that we've been making dumb sexy for too long. We've dumbed down and celebrated it. And it's time to make smart sexy again. Um, Darlene, you've got a big job. Um, and I jokingly call it, I call it head of black folk empowerment, uh, or you can call it head of Latino empowerment or head of women empowerment or head of Native American Indian empowerment or head of poor, struggling white rural empowerment because it's really, in, it's about inclusion. But in all, in all seriousness, it came in the backdrop in the environmentally, in the backdrop of the George Floyd murder. Um, and so it does come out in that context and in that re- regard I think the things that I've seen you guys do which I want you to talk about have been extraordinarily important and extraordinarily relevant to today's time tell us a little bit about your job as you see it uh, I want to get into some of the drama the challenges uh, that the bank has dealt with uh, as a systemically important institution people pick on you uh, some rightly so sometimes it's just picking on you because you're big and you're there and as a black person sitting as a black woman sitting at the in the corporate suite it can't be easy to be on both sides of this conversation but you do it with grace and style so tell us a little bit about your job and then we'll get we'll go a little deeper sure so a little over a year ago probably about 15 months ago we took a look at the uneven impact of the pandemic on communities of color um, on all levels, economically, from a healthcare perspective, housing. And we felt like as one of the largest consumer banks in the country, we needed to do more. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've always had a passion around financial health and financial empowerment. And uh, so when I was asked to think about how we could help bring more people into the mainstream banking system, how we could increase access to affordable banking products, I came to the table with a lot of ideas Mm -hmm. and helped launch what is now the Banking Inclusion Initiative. Mm -hmm. So it is Wells Fargo's 10-year commitment to help more people who are unbanked get access to affordable banking products and also to get access to financial guidance and advice. So that, Yay! Yes, exactly. Operation Hope, amongst <laughs> others. Yes. And uh, we also formed a, a national unbanked task force of mm. leading advocacy organizations where we have the leaders of those organizations. Mm-hmm. We have Derek Johnson yep, from the Urban NAACP, yep. Janet Marguia from yep. Unidos US, yep. Mark Morial from National Urban, Urban League. League. Good guy. And they have just been 
just true partners along this journey with us. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, I mean, there are more than 7 million households yeah. in the U.S. that are unbanked, meaning they don't have a bank account with a bank or a credit union. You guys hear that? That's an amazing number in the largest economy, most developed economy in the entire world. 7 million people have no banking relationship whatsoever. We have another almost 40 million that are underbanked. Yes. Yeah. And more than <clears throat> half of those unbanked households are black or African-American, Hispanic mm-hmm. or Native American. Yeah, as we were talking about, uh, and by the way, for the, the audience listening to this, just so you know, the number one group of, or well, the largest group of poor people in this country are poor whites. Uh, and the number one group dying in this country are white high school educated men dying of opi- opioid ad- mm-hmm. addiction, but that is triggered by depression, really a lack of aspiration, a lack of opportunity. And when we talked about this morning at the opening of the Hope Inside location um, in DeKalb, uh, we were talking about uh, how uh, half of African Americans, you have 40 million African Americans, but half of us have a credit score below 620. You, know, you think about that. Yes, racism is real and bias and all the rest of these things are real and we obsess about those things. But it just might be you weren't getting access to credit because your credit stunk. Uh, now, it's not your, it, it wasn't your creation. That problem was your creation because in many ways I think this banking inclusion initiative is a continuation of the Freedmen's Bank's legacy just as we are continuing that legacy from 1865, a bank created by Lincoln to teach free slaves about money, formerly enslaved people about, about money. Uh, Lincoln was killed the next month as as Dr. King was assassinated a hundred years later trying to pursue the poor people's campaign which was about all races of people including poor whites but is with African Americans is what we don't know that we don't know we're not dumb and we're not stupid we're brilliant and when the rules are published and the playing field is level i.e. professional sports i.e. the arts where we're here, here at iHeart right now whether it's public policy politicians rules are published playing to this level. We kill it. We succeed. But banking and capitalism and free enterprise and entrepreneurship, we didn't get that rule book. So our credit, amongst other things, is one of the things that suffered because we didn't understand this game. And it, it half of us, it stinks. And as a result of that, you can't get a decent auto loan. As I said earlier today, Mercedes means Mercedes payments in that environment. You can't get a decent mortgage. You can't get a small business loan at all. So you have a brilliant idea. You can't execute on it, not with a small business loan, because you need a 700 credit score for that. So Sometimes you can't even rent an apartment or get a job. Right. Or get a job. Half of employers yeah. require a credit check. Mm-hmm. That's why I think financial literacy is a civil rights issue of this generation. Mm-hmm. But is, is, just to, re- to underscore what I, what I was making about the poor white population, whether you go to a 500 credit score black urban black and brown urban neighborhood or a poor white rural neighborhood mm-hmm. what you see is a check casher next to a payday loan lender next to a rent to own store next to a title lender next to a liquor store next to a pawn shop uh, a church down the street for sure trying to make you feel a little bit better once a week little hooping and hollering gets it all out of your system if you're black um, but the reality is we're depressed we're depressed and we're being preyed upon and what I love what you're trying to do is you cannot have success in any mainstream economy or any economy without banking the power of banking we don't understand banking I'm glad you're there Um, people don't realize that Wells Fargo is a two trillion dollar institution that's trillion with a T (laughs) (laughs) it is a 41st fortune 500 company 
in size. Uh, so Fortune 500, biggest companies in the world. It's the 41st largest. It is, like I said, one of three systemic banks in this country, and there are 6,000 banks in this country. 6,000 banks, 75,000 bank branches. I mean, it's unbelievable. These, these numbers are unbelievable. And, you know, I think uh, I think there's like $14 trillion in all banking assets, if I got my number right, and there are $2 trillion of it. So, and this lady sitting in front of me, walking around humbly, chilling, is, is in charge of the Banking Inclusion Initiative. We get excited about rappers and professional athletes, and people need to become passing by, oh, Darlene, give me your autograph. Can, can, can I? You know they do that, John. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, like I got her home number, her office phone number, I got her cell phone number, I got her social security number. I'm all over. Like she showed up, she did look at Christmas. She opened the door, I was right there looking under the Christmas tree. I'm all over Darlene like a cheap suit. I ain't playing, Darlene. There's there's other black women uh, who are, who are excelling. By the way, at Wells Fargo, Gigi, mm-hmm. uh, uh, my Delta uh, sister, yeah, great lady, and Marilyn. I just met. Uh, I got to know mm-hmm. a little bit more Marilyn and. There's there's a number of people, even in the executive, uh, 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 I call it the executive council. It's not called that, but in the uh, the, le- the management team uh, that Charlie has, the CEO, there are African Americans uh, there as well. There are African Americans on the board of directors. I think there's three blacks on your board of directors, if I, as I recall. Uh, so they they really have walked the talk from the top to the bottom. And uh, now let's talk a little bit about. Um, I'm going to come back to your story, but I want to, let's let's talk about the obvious because somebody out there is rolling their eyes uh, because we all want something to to hate or talk about or whatever. And as I keep saying, a saint is a sinner that got up. An angel has dirty faces. We're all angels with dirty faces. There is no perfect. <laughs> I, I I I offered a friend of mine a plane ticket. They was complaining about America, how crap it screwed up America was. Okay, I agree with you. Here's a plane ticket. Take your rear end anywhere you like. I'll finance it. We'll send you stuff. They're still here. Of course. <laughs> so, of course they so, are. So, so Wells Fargo's not perfect. <gasps> Darlene, did you hear that? You guys are not perfect. Really? Really? <laughs> um, nobody's perfect. No. All right. So intention matters. Um I was there in a little committee in L.A. when the first crisis hit Wells Fargo about these accounts. What year was that? 2016. 2016. That's and, when the news came out. Yeah. And I think it had been brewing a little before that. Yeah. And, and I, I did run into local arrogance. I did run into people who, who just wouldn't listen. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't thieves. They weren't fraudulent. They were trying to get a bonus. The peop- they were trying to incentivize people who worked at Wells Fargo to get a bigger bonus because you could open accounts. So it wasn't like a malicious thing. It was like the way that we are going to measure success is you, if you're in the branch level, you open more accounts. So that somebody came up with the unbright idea <laughs> to just open, get people to open accounts whether there was anything in it or not, uh, which gave them more money. Well, those were dumb people, and those dumb people have been fired. They're gone. And by the way, that was another bank because that was uh, a, a merger ago. People don't realize that even though the name of the bank stays the same, oftentimes you have either a, a merger changes the texture of the bank, and that team comes in. It's a whole new different team. I think that was a Norwest team, if I recall. And you also have leadership that changes. That's like, like to suggest that that the bank's not different is to suggest that the, the Biden administration is the same as the Bush administration, is the same as the Obama administration, is the same as the I'm not going to name that dude's name administration. Mm-hmm. It's the presidency, but the administrations 
change and they're different. Mm -hmm. This is the Charlie Scharf administration mm -hmm. and it is different. And, it is. Uh, and Charlie's the first to acknowledge that the, the, the last team screwed up mm -hmm. and he's the first to own their screw up. Yep. What else do you want from somebody? Uh, there was a, a crisis recently about mortgages and the mortgage declines and oh you guys are declining all these black people more than anybody else well actually I called I called Darlene and uh, what's up you know why are you what you doing to our people <laughs> and she said calm yourself down sit down John sit down <laughs> like my mother sit down <laughs> and um, no seriously she's like well it's technically true but but it's just technically true. Like most banks don't record everybody who is seeking finance for mortgages. They realize that you don't qualify. They don't take the application. Wells Fargo, in trying to be transparent, recorded everything, including anybody who was remotely interested. So when you when your when your credit was pulled, we talked about credit scores just a moment ago, and you didn't pass a muster, that showed as a decline. They actually funded more mortgages than almost anybody else, actually, for black people. Actually, in the decade from 2011 to 2021, we helped fund more black homeowners than the next three largest bank mortgage lenders. Combined. Come on now, talk to me. Say that again. Repeat that again for anybody in the back of the room. For the decade from 2011 to 2021, right. we helped fund more black homeowners in this country than the next three largest bank mortgage lenders combined. That's extraordinary. And and you should be commended for that. And these were sustainable mortgages, not that homeboy shopping network exploding your face subprime mortgage. We're talking about some we're talking about people who were became homeowners and and had every shot because it was a good well priced interest rate, right? Prime prime finance. So, so uh, sometimes when you become a bit of a target, you become a bit of a punching bag for folks. And I have to give you credit because mm -hmm. when you reached out to me and I said, sit down, John. Sit yourself down. You also, <laughs> but you also said, is there any truth to this? Right. You, you didn't immediately jump to judgment, mm -hmm. which I appreciate in you as a partner. Mm -hmm. You said, let me hear you out. And I'm guessing that there's not truth to this, but let me hear it from you. And if there's not truth to this, let me help you help, you know, make this better. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate that from you. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, look, I, I, I just think there, that there is no perfect. And we, we don't let the perfect become the death of the good. You know, if somebody's trying to do good, help them be better. Mm -hmm. Help them get to that next level. Um, and I just think that you guys are a credible institution. It, it, I mean, you've kept every word to me that and anybody that I'm aware of. I bank with you guys. Um, and you were my first mainstream, well, m as an adult, my first adult bank account. I told you it was a Pico Boulevard mm -hmm. branch in West Los Angeles across from the mall. And uh, I remember the branch manager. I remember that they treated me with respect and dignity. Right, And I, my first mortgages was with you guys. I paid them off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, I have um, I have accounts with you to this day. I was in Europe and the Bahamas in the last ten days, uh, and I ran that. I swiped my, probably swiped my card. Works all around the world, um, and I do business with other institutions as well. But it, my my personal my personal go to account is and has been since I was eighteen with Wells Fargo. 
Uh, and I'm proud to say that. I mean, I think, and you're you're a good partner with Operation Hope and 100 Black Men of America and HBCUs. Mm-hmm. And we look, no institution can solve all of our problems, but I think America is a very unique place to have corporations like yours that significantly gives back. This is not. This doesn't happen in Europe. This conversation of I'm making, I'm a corporation. I'm going to make a crap load of money, and I'm going to then donate some of that to a foundation back to the community, or through public affairs, or Community Reinvestment Act is a uniquely American innovation. This conversation here about social justice through an economic lens, looking at a person like you at a senior post at, at a at a major bank in Europe or Asia, forget about it. Only reason it happens in Africa is we're all black, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but the banks are much smaller than what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about here, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a, a billion dollar bank in Africa is about a ninety million dollar bank in the U.S. because it's thirteen to one dollar to rand. So it sounds big, but th- this is big. This is two trillion dollars of the biggest economy on the planet. I can't underscore how much how big of a deal it is of what Darlene's doing it with a complete authority uh, to move balance sheets uh, and change lives. Uh, and so I just want to understand, I don't want people to understand that the last movement was, in my opinion, was about civil rights. This one's about silver rights. Mm-hmm. And we, we have, we, we've got to not to stop just being complacent with, with a, having somebody in a room that's, that's about complaints Oh, I saw some weird racism. Oh, I saw abuse. Oh, the police beat me up. Those are legitimate things. But we can't have everybody in, 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 in seats of power in the complaint box. We we need to, it can't be about a what I'm a, a, exclusively a what I'm against box. I mean, my, you know, my friends at NAACP are worn out. They can't, they can't do everything. Mm-hmm. We need a what I'm for box, too. Mm-hmm. From civil rights to include silver rights too. We need some folks in some green rooms, <laughs> right? And I don't mean green rooms as in prep rooms to go on stage for a concert. I mean, I mean some economic rooms. I mean, we need somebody in the business suites who look like us, who mm-hmm. represent our interests, mm-hmm. whoever us happens to be, like they know, African American, women, Native American, Indian, mm-hmm. Asian, whoever uh, underserved group. We're happy to talk about poor whites. Who says I relate to you? I understand mm-hmm. your plight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, all things being equal, if you deserve a shot, I'm going to make sure you get one. Mm-hmm. What else do we want within that? I mean, it's a James Brown version of affirmative action. Open the door, I'll get it myself. And 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 so I think that you're sitting in a moment in history. Actually, I think that what you're doing is going to 20 years from now be part of the history books of the Third Reconstruction, which is opportunity. First one was freedom after mm-hmm. the, this after the Civil War. Second one was civil rights access. Ambassador Andrew Young just just uh, called a moment ago. The guy who's Dr. King's right arm in the civil rights movement. We're so lucky in Atlanta to have all these mm-hmm. icons all around us, right? And the third one's opportunity. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit. We cleared the deck on some of the drama. Maybe there's other drama I didn't know about, but talk a little bit about where the bank is, what the bank's doing, what are you frustrated about? What are you most excited about? Well, I will say, and I know my mouth's going to get me in trouble, but... Don't edit. <laughs> <laughs> I got you covered. I'll, I'll send a note to Charlie. Don't worry. He knows you're real. But um, I will say it is an, it is like a new presidential administration, right? Mm-hmm. It's a new set of leaders, and 
I know my first four to five years at the bank, I felt like I was banging my head against the wall, trying to get things done. And when I had this opportunity to help launch and develop the Banking Inclusion Initiative last year, I took it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so getting hope inside in there Mm. was a big part of that. Thank you. Getting um, greater financial education at HBCUs was a part of that. Right. So. Um, really trying to move forward a lot of the things where I had been told no, 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 no. Mm. If I get that opportunity, I'm going to take it. That's right. Building the Good Life is brought to you by Prudential Financial. For over 145 years, millions of people have counted on Prudential to help solve for life's most important financial needs. Because at Prudential, they live their purpose to make life better by solving for the financial challenges of our changing world. Prudential's Who's Your Rock campaign is also about helping people reach new heights and providing a platform for people to reach their financial goals. Let's get into, let's get underneath so you can't really see see this those listening to this on the radio you can't see what I just witnessed but she was like editing like how how much of a sister am I going to be right now right but 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 the pause everybody heard the pause everybody you didn't see it but you heard the pause and then you and then she said what well, she really believed she just said it eloquently and and because she's an educated woman um but what you heard was strength you heard strength of purpose you heard i'm not playing games up in here if you want me you got to have the, all of me and 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 if you want my if you want me you got to take my strength too and I don't mind taking a no, and I don't mind disappointing disappointment. But you, you you're going to hear my voice in, until mm-hmm. until you either show me the door or show me an opportunity. Mm-hmm. They showed you an opportunity. That never give up. That resiliency, that self esteem that I mm-hmm. see in your eyes every mm-hmm. time that I see you or, or hear in your voice every time I talk to you, which is different from confidence, by the way. Confidence com- confidence comes from competence. Mm-hmm. So if you're competent in a job, you'll have confidence. That's what we're used to. But that you can have confidence and still have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. When I look at you, I see esteem. I see self-love. I see a mother or a father or uncle or grandmother or grandpa. Somebody mm-hmm. poured into Darlene and said, girl, you can do anything you want to do. Who was that? Probably my dad. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that. You grew up where, how, what? Yeah, so I grew up mainly in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, Rich. But went to, hmm? Rich. No. <laughs> Not at all. No, I grew, up, I, I, grew up, I grew up in South Central, yes, I understand. I, um, I'm a preacher's kid, so oh. we lived in, you know, church parsonages growing up. Really? Yes. Um, my dad was, he moved to L.A. in the late 60s. And very active, mm-hmm. um, helped form some initiatives like Save Our Sons in LA mm. to help address the mass incarceration of black men. What's your dad's name? Robert Smith. That's the tale was really deep. Her, name, her dad's name is Robert Smith. My grandfather was R.B. Smith, but we're not related. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> But now you do look like a long lost sister I had. No, so but, maybe. I but, mean. <laughs> but I remember that organization. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, um, grew up in different parts of Southern California. My dad, a United Methodist minister. Mm. Um, we moved to San Diego to a predominantly white neighborhood mm-hmm. at the towards the early 
elementary school years. My dad was the first black minister that had been appointed the district superintendent for the San Diego district. Hmm. So he had about 70 churches that rolled up to him. And so we went to different churches every Sunday. I got to experience a lot of different cultures, Mm -hmm. races, um, seeing differences. Mm-hmm. That made you comfortable how, around different people. It different did. Kinds of people. I'm very adaptable. Right. Um, and then after a short time in Long Beach, he was appointed to a predominantly white church, which mm-hmm. was unheard of back mm-hmm. in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, first black minister there. Um, and then he was called by a bishop in Harlem or in New York <clears throat> to come out and revitalize a great church in Harlem. And so he felt called to do that. And we packed up and we went across country from a predominantly white gated community in Long Beach mm-hmm. <laughs> to Harlem in the mid 80s. The hood. So D-A- the hood. Yes. D-A- hyphen H-O-D. Yes. Where um, we actually we lived in a very nice brownstone on Strivers Row. But mm. the apartment buildings behind us were burnt out, mm-hmm. you know. It's not the Harlem of today. was on the rise. Yeah, Yeah, it was not the Harlem of today. It doesn't even look like the Harlem that I know when I go back there. Um, But I think seeing all of that service to others really made an impression on me. So in some ways, uh, you are continuing that sense of service, just doing it through the most relevant factor of today, which is finance and economics. I mean, one could argue that religion is how we originally got free. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that first part of that first Reconstruction. We could only sing religious songs. Mm-hmm. The first corporation was a, through a black church. Mm-hmm. The first black her, first hospital for black folks was through uh, the church. The first black uh, business was through the black church. The first school was through the black church. Uh, it was the only thing that we could do to organize ourselves during slavery, and that kept us from being uh, from completely broken as people. Also. Mm-hmm. And then during the civil rights movement that morphed into community service, which your father also did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, we know that uh, executed through political office. What we did not do is to go from um, cashing checks to writing them. Mm-hmm. We didn't become stakeholders. We didn't mm-hmm. become capitalists and owners, which is what you're doing today. You're, you're facilitating that for a whole generation. So I see you continuing that work of your of your dad. So, I am trying to. I so, am trying to. So he told you he loved you. He did. And he told you you can do anything you wanted to do. He did. He told you not to take no mess either. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, you can do bad all by yourself. You don't need no help. Yeah, he's handsome. What's your credit score? <laughs> you got a job? You have a career? I can do bad by myself now. Quincy Jones once told me the only thing worse than being alone is wishing that you were. So... So, so he clearly poured your parents clearly poured that self esteem mm-hmm. and self love love into you, and it's so evident. Um, and you know, you you remind me of that phrase: you don't need when you got the power, you don't need to use it. You don't beat your chest. You don't sh- you don't pat yourself on the on the on the back. You don't scream. You don't holler. You talk very gently, very calmly, very firmly. <laughs> I do. <Yeah. laughs> so you bring all that into the I corporate do. suite. How was that received for the for the women listening to this now, particularly women who are from underserved communities, sisters who are trying to get thinking about trying to get into the corporate environment? What's your what's your advice? This this show is building, building your spirituality, mm-hmm. building your self esteem, mm-hmm. building your confidence, building your business, 
building your household, mm-hmm. uh, building your marriage. It's all about building. But what, 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 there's some young girls out there or mature women, young girls trying to figure out their path, trying to figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because self-love is the greatest love. Yeah. Uh, and there are women who are matured, maybe trying to reset their lives. Mm-hmm. How, that, how can, how can, what advice do you have for them about trying to make a move into corporate America? I think you have to be your authentic self mm. and not be afraid to use your voice mm. for change. Mm. Um, I know early on in my career, I did kind of hold my tongue, but I don't do that anymore. And it's just like, take it or leave it. This yeah. is Darlene. Right. Um, and you may not like what I have to say, but I'm going to say it. Mm. But that's your value proposition also. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. I, don't, I don't really understand why you would, if you're a black female go into a corporation and then act like a white male you're destroy first of all you're going to be a copy of somebody else but second of all well and we don't have the privileges of white men up oh, amen so, hello but on top of that you have no you're adding nothing right you're an echo chamber right of something that already exists versus adding that unique element mm-hmm. that comes from your culture and your background and your perspective and the way you see the world, which adds to the richness of the brew. Exactly. Which goes back to being yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you see injustice, to call it out. Don't sit silently on the sidelines. Mm. So how do you do that without getting fired? <laughs> how, how, how does one do that uh, thoughtfully? I always tell people, if you, yeah. whenever you make an emotional decision, it'll be a bad one. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a difference between reacting and responding. Right. I, and I've seen you be, I've never seen you uncool under pressure. You're always cool. I mean, I was uh, delayed for our session today, late. Uh, and and she, <laughs> she should have she told me off. She didn't. She's as cool as a cute. Now, she, you know, I, the next time I'm going to get a lecture. But she was she was cool as a cucumber. <laughs> On a serious note, though, like how do you do it? How do you do that so you step over mess and not in it? I rely on a lot of data and facts. Yes, you do. To uh, provide evidence for the reasons why we need to take certain decisions or why we might need to examine things in a more deep way than maybe we have in the past. Um, and, you know, people can't argue with facts. That was sexy. What she just said was sexy. That was sexy. She's like, I dropped the mic. I used facts. It, it no, there were no, no fancy words. I used facts and data to make my case. And as I, that's actually how we met. Yes. I got on the phone with her, and I was unhappy with whomever it came before her at Wells Fargo. You sure were. And I let her know. And he, he tried to take it out on me. Yeah, I let her know. And the only reason I survived that is I had facts and data. Because she, she, she don't play. She would have said, this has been a nice meeting. Goodbye. But she... And I asked you a lot of hard questions. Yes, and I was able to answer. Yeah, you sure were. And so we, we went... So. I think it's fair to say, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, darling, she respected me and learned to like me. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather you respect me and learn to like me than like me and never respect me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't disrespectful. I wasn't, but I was clearly not a happy camper. And I wanted, and I didn't want to act like I, I was. That's not who I am. I'm authentic like you. But clearly I had the data and the figures which I thought should warrant a different 
value proposition. Uh-huh. And Darlene was interested in facts, data, the figure, the, the, let the facts set you free. And then she took that data and went and made a case for it. Uh-huh. And we just opened up our 200th Hope Inside location with Wells Fargo today. Uh-huh. Boom. Yeah, and and because of Darlene or Darlene's leadership, we went from a discussion of a few of these locations to fifteen of these locations, and now we're talking about over a hundred Hope Inside locations and a unique structure that that we're still working the details out on. But basically, going to be in markets all around this country mm-hmm. with this model. And now we have the CEO singing his praises and head of banking, Mary, uh, who's fantastic, and uh, Bill Daly, who's on my board, mm-hmm. uh, your vice chairman. So you become sort of a, a, a gateway to wire organizations like ours, this Operation Hope we're talking about, into the fabric, the, uh-huh. the, 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 uh-huh. the infrastructure uh-huh. of this $2 trillion bank. Yes. Is that your mission? To wire organizations into wire diversity and inclusion into the fabric of this bank? Yes. What is, what you know, is, I spent... I spent the first five years, six years at Wells Fargo, I guess five years, um, on the philanthropy side. Mm -hmm. And philanthropy is important. Yes. But getting it integrated into the business, I think, is more powerful. Talk more about that. Having an influence on the products and services Mm. that we offer, Mm. the communities where we redesign our branches or put hope inside centers, that's Mm going to drive even greater impact Mm -hmm. than philanthropy can. Mm -hmm. So I think you need both. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the reasons why I decided to move over and actually lead the Banking Inclusion Initiative after we launched it. And I met you on the philanthropic philanthropic side. Mm -hmm. This this is a really important conversation. I'm not sure people listening to this can get the nuance here. She was giving away money before and now we're talking about how to make money responsibly mm-hmm. right and the bucket for making money is much bigger marketing business development etc is much bigger than the yeah. philanthropic bucket the public affairs bucket and that's also progress mm-hmm. because that wasn't a conversation that corporations even allowed us to have right 15 20 years ago certainly not 40 even years, ago, years ago or maybe even 5 years ago Right. The world has changed. Yeah. I think it's changed changed permanently. Mhm. And this is these topics we're talking about I think are now part of the ether yes. of these companies, mm-hmm. the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. What are you most hopeful about as we sit here in a very troubling time? We're dealing with I'm listening we're looking at with girls in Iran, you know, losing their life because they want to wear their hair the hijab, mm-hmm. you know, looser on their head. Mm-hmm. I mean, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, you know, uh, folks in Ukraine mm-hmm. just trying to go about their their life and having some idiot drop bombs on them mm-hmm. and their families. We're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, people disappearing in mm-hmm. parts of Asia just because you differ with the mm-hmm. opinion of your leader. Mm-hmm. We don't think, we, we, I don't think we sort of realize how good we've got it. Mm-hmm. But even here, we've got all kind of problems. Uh, politicians who are, who've decided to help us hate each other and mm-hmm. uh, throw rocks at each other and pick at each other is a is a hard to find good news mm-hmm. sometimes in the midst it of is. all this troubling news. Right. Mm-hmm. So, in the midst of all that, how do you find hope? How do you build mm-hmm. in the midst of that? What are some things? What are some thoughts you have? Well, you know, I have a fifteen-year-old teenager and I think about his future 
Mm. Right. So I have to do whatever I can to drive change so that he inherits a world that gives him opportunity. Mm. So getting emotional, John, mm. is not good. <laughs> when I talk about my baby, I love who's it. not really my baby anymore, but he'll, um, he'll forever be your baby. Actually. He will. He yeah. will. Um, <clears throat> so I just try to do whatever I can to make a difference mm. whether that's serving on a nonprofit board or serving on the Marin County priority setting committee mm-hmm. that's distributing federal grant money mm-hmm. to local nonprofits or leading the banking inclusion initiative at Wells Fargo um, I just try to do what I can to drive change you were influenced by your parents your dad in particular and your son's being influenced by you he is and it's been said that if you want to find a good woman find one who's had a great relationship with her dad you want to find a good man, find a good man who's had a great relationship with his mom. Mm-hmm. So you got a got a good thing going. Yeah. And I, and I and I think your son's very lucky to have you Thank as you. as a mom. Tell us as is I don't want to run out of time before we get into I want to end in this with you giving some recommendations, some very specific recommendations for women uh, and mm. girls on how to come up. So I want you to think about mm-hmm. that. But before we get to that, because uh, time runs goes real quick on these on these podcasts when I, when it's interesting, and I don't like do boring, so all of them are interesting. Um, t- talk a little bit about uh, for those listeners who don't know uh, about Wells Fargo, two hundred seventy thousand employees. I think the last time I checked, is it more than that? I think it's a little less. A little less. Okay, mm-hmm. been firing some people. Two hundred seventy. <laughs> 270,000 employees. Uh, Charlie ain't playing. <laughs> gotta go. You gotta go. Chop, chop. Um, uh, talk talk about some of the important initiatives that are, I think are, would be of interest to the public that they may not know about. And talk about specifically what the Banking Inclusion Initiative is doing now or going to be doing uh, in, that you can talk about. I, I can't, I'm just, I'm just chomping at the bit to talk about a friend of mine who I won't mention because they will give it away who's going to be doing something real big with you uh, coming up and I'm so excited about that. Um, root, rooting for him and because it's going to help because it's going to help so many people. Um, but but talk about uh, generally the bank and the specifically your initiative specifically what do people not need to know uh, about what you're doing and how do they reach you? How do they reach you know reach you or the initiative? So what I'm really excited about is we're really taking a new approach to providing flexibility to consumers and how they manage their accounts. So um, earlier this year we announced a number of initiatives that we were launching things like extra day grace on overdrafts that give you if you overdraft and you know you get an alert you have an extra 24 hours to pay that back so that you don't have an overdraft fee Um, we have early payday so you can get access to your direct deposit paycheck two days early Hmm. so we are really modernizing um, how we think about overdrafts We do have some accounts that don't have any overdraft that are low-cost bank-on-certified accounts like Clear Access Banking. Okay, English people, for those watching, listening to this, that means y'all spending money you didn't have. Overdraft, that means you you got 20 bucks, you spent 40, 
and they cleared the check or whatever, and they hit you with a fee, and you complained about it. Why are y'all charging me this money? Because you're spending money you don't have. Okay, so they're trying, they're trying to, to not charge you, penalize you for not having a, a, the best budget on the planet because we understand that people have got too much month at the end of their money. So they're doing two things. They're not, hit, not hit, hitting you over. By the way, there were some unscrupulous banks who made a lot of money on just overdraft fees. So I'm joking around about it, but it's really become a thing uh, of, of preying on some people. Wells Fargo's chosen not to do that, obviously. And then you have the other side of this coin where people really need access to their money a little earlier, which mm-hmm. is, and so you, because you have predictable employers, mm-hmm. uh, like my guess is county governments and state governments mm-hmm. and, you know, major corporations. And you sort mm-hmm. of pretty much know this person's been working there for 10 years. Mm, pretty, pretty, pretty good chance that the next paycheck's coming. So they're going to let you have access to their money faster. Is that the right. way it works? Right. That's, a, that's a cool thing. Yeah. Are, are you charging a fee for that? or No. Really? Mm-hmm. I got some. I got a cousin, Boo Boo, who need that. <laughs> <laughs> Pookie and them, Pookie and them and my family need access to that, like, immediately. <laughs> they may change banks. <laughs> they may change banks just to get access to some, their money early. <laughs> and one of the other things that we're um, going to be launching soon is a new flex loan. Hmm. So when you have a banking relationship with us, um, eligible account holders will um, have access to a $400. Is it $400 or five? Um, so, so y'all know, she said, she said eligible account holders. I know. All, all y'all, all y'all, all y'all mismanaging your stuff, <laughs> trying to blame it on the bank. <laughs> that y'all don't qualify. <laughs> If you were in foreclosure last month, <laughs> if the tow truck was following your car last week, you probably don't qualify for this particular product. You can come to Operation Hope. We'll help you out, and then we'll get you a point where then you can be an account holder in good standing. A saint is a sinner that got up. We understand. I've been there before, by the way. My credit score was 300. I get it. Okay, so back to eligible account holders. <laughs> You can have access to a loan Mm. of either $250 or $500 that you just repay in four easy installment payments. There's like a $20 fee for the $500 loan. Mm. And it just helps people with their cash flows, right? You might, you know, my refrigerator went out Mm -hmm. and I had to get it fixed, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just need a little bit extra Mm -hmm. to get me through this hump. I can take advantage of that flex loan. That's so important because for, uh, for 64% Mary Arison is in the studio who's president of Partnerships for Operation Hope and she would tell me uh, right now if I didn't remember it that 64% of all Americans don't have $400 for an unplanned event. So you giving a flex loan of 250 to $500 mm-hmm. just might be the difference between them having heating or, or a refrigerator or the car fixed or not. Exactly. Um, it's a big deal. And you're also indirectly putting payday lenders out of business. I'm saying that you're not. It's a beautiful thing. As we pivot uh, here at this wonderful, rich time we spend together, I just love being with you. I just think you're an extraordinary human being. But you know you didn't give me a chance to talk about the banking inclusion initiative. She's trying to earn her check. <laughs> I'm trying to get to I'm trying to get to the goods about how to inspire these women. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. I get paid. I get paid by Wells Fargo. And we gonna finish this. 
Well, we, no, I'm with you. Let's do it. Let's let's get in it. I'm just excited about some of the things that we have going well, on. And you're I the mean, Hope Inside you're is the, one of you, them. No, right? no, talk about that. No, please. <laughs> yeah, now you can talk about it as much as you want. <laughs> Feel free. But you know, Hope Inside is one of those things that I'm really excited about mm-hmm. because we're putting financial coaches with lived experience in our branches to help community members get their money right, mm-hmm. right? Yes, and um. So we're going to be in 20 markets by the end of next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to be able to serve up to 150 branches. That's beautiful. You don't have to be a Wells Fargo customer to take advantage of the services. Right. So uh, we want to help people get to those 700 credit scores so that yeah. they can get that low interest rate on the auto loan, get that mortgage, get that small business started. And and we're also talking about uh, uh, helping specifically with Black business creation. We'll talk about more of that uh, later on. You guys are a member of Financial Literacy for All, yep. which is the leadership initiative from corporate America to make financial literacy a civil rights issue in this country and bake it into the business plan of major companies. It's like what healthcare was 40 years ago. That uh, is all something we're very excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have been financially supportive of the One Million Black Business Initiative, mm-hmm. um, and we're talking about going deeper there. Mm-hmm. Um, what else are you doing at, at, at uh, the Inclusion Initiative that people need to know about, seeing as though you call me on it? so we're working with a number of different um collaboration Mm -hmm. partners um we did some marketing pilots earlier this year Mm -hmm. uh we recognized that we've got to do better in terms of our value proposition to consumers so when we talked with unbanked consumers we found that you know they're really focused on their financial stability Mm -hmm. and having a cash-based system helps them know exactly how much money they have to spend, how much money they have to pay their rent, their bills, et cetera. And it's, it's just more comfortable from the, for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So we need to work on our value proposition and help them understand the value that we can bring to the table and help get them on a path to achieving their aspirational goals. So, translation for the layman out there you want to make sure the bank's relatable to everybody not just rich people right you want to make sure the bank people know that you don't have to be just doing very very well or uh, even moderately well to come to a bank you can exactly. come to a bank and whatever p- place you are in your life exactly and we'll you'll help them to go to that next step exactly yeah that's that's brilliant can I pivot now? Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, pivot. Uh, no, this is my favorite part of <laughs> of the session because you're gonna you're go, you're going to lead, you're going to change somebody's life. Um, there's some there's some little girl in the car with her mother. There's some mother who's frustrated that she doesn't have all the solutions for her family. There's some grandmother who feels that she's let her her children down because she doesn't have generational wealth. There's some abused woman who's staying around with some knucklehead because she's got children and he's been beating on her, but she thinks she's staying around for money. There's somebody listening to this who self-esteem is not exactly where it needs to be. If I don't like me, I'm not going to like you. If I don't feel good about me, I'm not going to feel good about you. Mm -hmm. If I don't respect me, you don't expect me to respect you. Mm -hmm. If I don't love me, you don't have a clue how to love you. Mm -hmm. Love starts at home, Mm -hmm. inside of you. So there's somebody listening to this who just needs a little bit of a boost. You've done it. You've made it. Executive vice president. Just for context, when I was coming up, you know, you had a vice president of a bank branch. And uh, that person really had power. 
I mean, they ran that bank branch, but they could make credit decisions, all that kind of stuff. But vice president doesn't mean what it used to mean. Uh, they people throw some companies throw out candy, you know, the vice president title, not the corporate vice president, just vice president like it's candy. Uh, doesn't mean much other than a pay position. Um, corporate vice president, you're starting to get serious. Uh, senior vice president, that's really serious, particularly if it's a national versus a regional senior vice president. Just for people listening to this, an executive vice president is high cotton. You, know, you, can, tra- you can translate re- research high cotton. That means the southern phrase. It means that she's a big, big baller. She's serious. That's a very, very unique role. Executive vice president and director. Um, you should be very proud of yourself. But what do you have to give in the context of counsel, advice, direction, inspiration for those trying to come up? I tell women, you're more than ready. Be willing to take a risk. Take the next job. Say yes. Um, There's an African proverb that um, says, when women rule, streams run uphill. Mm. Woo! And I think about that. When women rule, streams run uphill. Uphill. That's deep. I, I, I mean, that's that's deep. And and what and 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 it's got me thinking about self-esteem. And and you 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 you're essentially saying you're enough. All about you're you're enough already. You're enough, and you can make the impossible possible. Yes, if you disbelieve. If you believe. Yeah. Yep. So so self-love is the first love. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Believe in yourself. Masterclass uh, with uh, Darlene Goins with John Hope Bryan and this is building. Darlene is living her truth. She uh, can be a bad sister without bragging about it. When you got the power you don't need to use it. She steps over mess and not in it. She says you will respect me or you won't deal with me. She says measure me by my performance and my work not my personality or my looks. You will respect me because the only way I'm coming is authentic or I will leave because I know I can find a job someplace else. She knows she's not perfect, but she knows she's enough. She is her father's daughter, but she's also her son's mother. She's also a friend. She's also someone who gives back. She's one who lives through service, and the service she gives is the legacy she leaves. She's articulate, but she's not snooty. She's loving and confident, but she's also courageously disciplined. She will hold you accountable, which is why she loves the data. She's as much of a civil rights leader in the suites as the civil rights leaders were in the streets. She's trying to set our people free at scale. Ladies, you're enough all by yourself. Stand up, step in, believe in yourself, and demand a seat at the table. Expand the table and add a seat. Darlene Goins is coming. Building the Good Life with John Hope Bryant is brought to you by Prudential Financial. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.